All he did was almost record double-digit sacks. Steps up in the pocket and goes down. Guess who? Aiden Hutchinson. Here's a guy who has the work ethic and the talent. Now Willis taking a shot for the end zone and it's caught. First of all, I think Malik Willis from Liberty and Kenny Pickett from Pitt may even be gone by the time they pick it 50. Back here on First Draft for our Thursday show. We're going to have Jordan Reed a little bit later on in the program, but I've got my guys here, Mel Kuyper Jr. and Todd McShay. And we had a great spirited conversation on Monday recapping the combine. And I said at the end of the show that we could have kept going for like the rest of the day. We don't have the rest of today to do exactly that, but I wanted to make sure that each one of them had the chance to empty out the notebook. So, Mel, if there were players that you either didn't get the chance to cover or you wanted to add more to from Monday's conversation, who might they be? Yeah, I think James Cook. I uh, thought I'd reference him. The running back to Georgia. I know Nick Saban always would highlight, you know, at Florida, Kyle Pitts and, and Tony. And then you go to Georgia, it's James Cook. Remember when they were up in that first half? They were going to say, at number four, we got to figure out how to match up with him. They would move him wide, and he'd be able to beat you for a touchdown, catching the ball down the field. His hands, just how effortless he is, how natural. Everything comes to James Cook, Dalvin Cook's younger brother. Uh, and explosiveness as well as a runner. This is the kind of guy you can utilize. Well, but the great career Darren Sproles had in the NFL, I see James Cook as being that kind of player. Yeah, third round, you know, he gets into that round. You're getting a highly productive, highly versatile player. Matthew Butler, defensive tackle from Tennessee. The tape's phenomenal. Ran good for a big guy, uh, an outstanding, very underrated player at Tennessee. And those Baylor kids, Todd. I mean, they were track stars at this thing. You know about a track workout combine for Barnes and for Woods and for Petrie. They were flying. So, I mean, they're, they're still running back. They're, they're probably across country now the way they run. It was pretty amazing to watch those Baylor Bears defensive backs and how fast they ran. Yeah, they were, they were on the same speed program as Robert Griffin III was back in the day. So, it, that was fun to watch. But I, I, there are a few other guys I want to point to. One at the tight end position, Daniel Bellinger. You know, we, we haven't talked a whole lot about him, but I think he's had a, a great pre-draft process so far. Uh, San Diego State tight end. He came in, checked in at six foot five, two hundred and fifty-three pounds. He ran a four-six-three in his forty-yard dash. I saw that seventy-three-yard run that he had after the catch against Arizona. I, I thought he kind of had pretty good speed, but not not that kind of speed. That's faster than Greg Dulcich from UCLA who I thought was going to run the fastest 40 in this class and is the best in terms of vertical receivers at the tight end position. So Bellinger, after a really good senior bowl, helps himself with a great workout. And, and I think he could be in the, the mix kind of early day three, talking fourth, fifth round as a backup that can maybe provide more than I originally thought based just on the tape. Then you go to running back. And it's kind of a, a competition, at least in my mind and the people I talk to, between Kenneth Walker from Michigan State, who's the best pure runner in this class, and ran the faster 40 time between he and Brees Hall from Iowa State, who's, who's also competing to be that first running back off the board, very likely in the second round. Well, Walker had a good workout. Again, he ran a, a slightly faster time than, uh, than Brees Hall did. But Brees Hall, what a complete workout at 217 pounds. He comes in and he runs, he runs a really good 40 time. I was really impressed with that 4-3-9. I mean, if you're a running back, you're happy at 4-5. You're really excited in the, the mid-4-4s. 4-3-9 is outstanding. Mm. Talk about a guy who almost had 4,000 rushing yards the last three years. Very much a, a part of the passing game for Iowa State. Patient running back, good vision, kind of overly patient at times. But with that skill set, and then he had a, the the 40-inch vertical jump that shows that lower body explosiveness you're looking for. So 
to me, the two-time Offensive Player of the Year of the Big 12 only helped his cause to be the number one back off the board, showed that explosiveness you're looking for from the number one back. And then Pierre Strong. We don't talk about him a whole lot because he's probably in that third, fourth round mix at the running back position, maybe the fourth, fifth, sixth running back off the board. But out of South Dakota State, Pierre Strong, what he did I thought was really impressive. 36-inch vertical, 10-4 in his broad jump, and he had a 4-3-7 in his 40-yard dash, which is slightly faster than the one I just told you with Brees Hall. So Pierre Strong is a name to keep – Kind of keep an eye out on as we get closer to the draft. I think he's going to start to rise up there. Again, we know it's, it's Kenneth Walker, Brees Hall. Then you get into James Cook from Georgia, as you mentioned, Mel, and a few other running backs. But I think Pierre Strong's going to be in that second, third tier of backs in the middle of this draft coming up. Yeah, and one that didn't run great, but he's a really good football player. And I like Kyron Williams. And if you get it wrapped up in 40 times, yeah. realize there's some really good backs. Emmett Smith, Le'Veon Bell. I got a list of guys from running back, and we'll talk about that in the coming uh, weeks. Kyron Williams is a good football player. He can do it all at running back, okay? He's not going to be dynamic, but he'll block, he'll catch, and he'll be a guy who will get every inch of real estate he can pick up with every carry. Uh, that 40 time, uh, people, when everybody's running great 40s and somebody doesn't, it's like, is that a red flag? No, not for me. And if Kyron Williams drops, he's going to be a day three guy. But there's a running back. We saw Elijah Mitchell go in the sixth round last year. To me, Kyron Williams becomes a potential steal for somebody because you're going to get a guy who's all business. Brian Kelly raved about this guy, and Kyron Williams. Williams, I think, can be a guy. Maybe drops a little further than maybe we thought at one point this year, but a guy will come in and help a football team. All kinds of information from Todd and Mel. Seriously, they could probably go through the entire 325 or so players that were in Indianapolis for the combine. I'm sure we'll discuss the event even more in the coming weeks. Great stuff from Mel and Todd. We're going to talk to our guy, Jordan Reed, in just a moment. But a reminder, if you are not already listening to it, please check out the Mina Kimes podcast with Lenny. Mina, one of our smartest minds here at ESPN, covering the NFL. She does it from all angles. You want to talk X's and O's? She can handle that. You want to talk Jimmy's and Joe's? She can handle that. You want to hear about how the analytics movement has helped shape football decisions? She can talk about that as well. Free agency previews, draft previews, really anything involving football, Mina Kimes is an expert on all things that matter she has great NFL guests, including the likes of Dominique Foxworth, one of our most entertaining and brightest football minds here at ESPN. So be sure to check out the Mina Kimes show featuring Lenny. Yes, Lenny is her dog. Some would say he's the wisest dog at all of ESPN. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. 
Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. We move forward now with our guy, Jordan Reed, who has become a staple here on First Draft. Jordan, what's going on, my friend? What's going on, Field? Happy to be back, and it's the best time of year, so I'm excited. It sure is a great time of the year. Seven weeks away until the NFL draft. And a reminder that Todd's Mach 3.0 has dropped on ESPN.com. A new number one pick, Aiden Hutchinson out of Michigan, which, by the way, he has become the favorite, the betting favorite, to go number one overall after the Jaguars used their franchise tag on Cam Robinson once again, which maybe suggests they're out of the left tackle market at number one and instead looking at the pass rushers. We'll dive into Mel's, excuse me, Todd's mock even more and every further edition of his mock drafts and Todd's mock draft, Mel's mock drafts and Jordan's mock drafts and every other mock draft we have on ESPN in time. But Jordan, I wanted to put a bow on the Indianapolis combine as the NFL was in the great city of Indianapolis again last week. Nearly 325 players participated. We can start big, like overarching. Did you have any takeaways or themes from the week that really stood out to you? Well, just how fast everybody ran. I think yeah. that's the surprise that everybody had. I mean, we had cornerbacks running 4-2-3. We had Trayvon Walker at six foot five, 272 pounds, running 4-5-9, which is just astronomical numbers. And even Amari Barno who's an outside linebacker from Virginia Tech. At 6'5", 250, he ran 4'37", which is just a ridiculous number. So they installed a new turf at Lucas Oil Stadium, and I think it definitely benefited all of the athletes that ended up running. So we saw some times that were just ridiculous across the board, and it wasn't just one position. And I think that's what everybody was wondering, was it just going to be early on in the week that guys were running fast, but it was consistent all throughout the week. Really, really interesting week for everybody out there. And, you know, I think that sometimes what gets lost in the combine coverage is people think that we are like fetishizing these fast times as if it's the end all be all. It's not. It's far from it, right? Like Tariq Woolen, who ran a four, whatever it was, three, five or four, three, one, or anybody else that ran really fast, Jordan Davis, who ran really fast at 341 pounds. Like it's not the only thing that matters. But it's a piece of context. It's a piece of the puzzle. The speed will be confirmed or perhaps adjust a little bit at pro days, which starts now. We've already had pro days this week and they'll continue all the way through this month and into early April as well. So let's just go through a couple other thoughts here then. Uh, positionally, quarterbacks, I feel like it's a responsibility to ask every single time we have the chance to because we are getting more and more context on these quarterbacks. And now we know of at least two more teams that have some clarity at quarterback this year. The Denver Broncos traded for Russell Wilson and also the Green Bay Packers who traded for Aaron Rodgers, which means that we now have one more team in the Seattle Seahawks that does not have clarity at quarterback. Quarterbacks are going to go early. That's going to be how the world works in the NFL. Did anybody amongst the quarterbacks do something to solidify, enhance, or perhaps lessen his stock in Indianapolis? Well, I I wanted to see Matt Corral 
just because he's the one that we did not get to see throughout the pre-draft process. And it's unfortunate that we didn't get to see him throw in Indianapolis. A lot of people were looking forward to seeing him throw, but he still had the injured ankle, which is what he hurt in, in the bowl game against Baylor. So it's unfortunate that we didn't get to see him. But I mean, the guys, the, the same guy stepped up. Honestly, Malik Willis was able to show off his arm. Carson Strong was the same way. I thought Kenny Pickett threw the ball really nicely, too. And Sam Howell was able to show off some of his deep accuracy. So the big thing about the combine is that you really just use it to confirm some of the things that you see on tape, but also maybe to disprove some of the things that you saw on tape, too. So I don't think it's necessarily a situation of where they could have helped themselves on the field just because that's what you want the tape to do. But as far as the intel that you get from the meetings, getting to sit down with some of these guys, just because a lot of the executives and scouts, this is their first time actually meeting some of these guys just because the the the, the stops throughout the school really aren't the same as what they once were used to be. You don't get as much time. Then you have so many stops to make. So it's what it's what I like to call speed dating with each team getting 45 45 combine visits, visits and getting 15 to 20 minutes with each one of these guys. So getting them on the whiteboard, trying to learn some X's and O's, those are some of the things that you're looking for. It's usually an accumulation of information, right? It's you meet at the combine, you meet at the pro day, you maybe have the player in for a pre-draft visit, which is now back in vogue after the COVID-19 pandemic robbed us of that for a couple of years. So it's not that meeting with a prospect necessarily tells you anything, you know, kind of laugh when I hear like, you know, so-and-so is asked, did you meet with the Bengals? Yeah, I met with the Bengals. Okay, fine. Yeah. The Bengals met with a ton of players at the combine. Like that's just how it works. It does not mean the Bengals are focusing in on that player, but it is one sort of breadcrumb that I think fans gravitate towards and can be a part of the puzzle because sometimes specifically with the quarterbacks, you got to learn about the intangibles, not just the stuff that you see on the field. What kind of leader are they? What kind of communicator are they? What kind of student of the game are they? Things that contribute to quarterback play. So we sort of big, that big theme was speed. If we kind of like zoom in a little bit, not too micro, but like sort of zooming in anything else sort of stand out from you. And it can be about the players. It can be about something that was said by a coach or general manager, you name it, any big takeaways from Indianapolis besides the stuff you've already highlighted. Well, just the podium sessions in general, whether it's the players or just the coaches and John Snyder and Pete Carroll were adamant that they had no intention of trading Russell Wilson. And then a couple of days after the combine, they ended up trading Russell Wilson. So little things like that, it's really hard to put into context what these coaches are saying. But something I've always enjoyed about the combine is just getting to know the players from a podium session standpoint, getting to stand right next to Evan Neal or getting to stand right next to Malik Willis and just getting a feel for their personality. So little things like that are some of the little things that I take away from the combine that I really enjoy. Yeah, there was certainly a lot of color, a lot of flavor, a lot of interesting insights. I don't think there was that many like answers that had us all talking from a player. Like we've had a couple of notable sort of funny answers uh, back in 2010, I think it was. No, no, no. Was, was it? Uh, oh, Johnny Manziel was 2014. That yeah. was the biggest uh, draft that we've seen. I think like draft interview group that I've seen. Tim Tebow back in 2010 was right there as well. There wasn't that kind of prospect here. Um, but there were certainly a lot of players that drew some attention. So some of the things that kind of caught my eye that I'll be curious where you landed on them is that it did feel like one of the notable position groups in Indy was, well, really two cornerbacks and in safeties sort of squashed into one, the defensive backfield. Sauce Gardner ran really well for Cincinnati. Have, has he sort of taken a vice grip on that first cornerback position in your opinion, or do you feel like Derek Stingley still has a chance to be that top guy off the board at that spot? 
I think he still has a chance, and everybody's eyes is going to be on that April 6th pro day. That's when he's going to participate in. He's still recovering from the Liz Frank surgery on the left foot that he sustained during the third game of the season, I believe it was. And the big thing about Stingley is just that he just hasn't been available. And there's an old saying that your best ability is your availability. Him missing 15 games over the past two years, obviously that's not going to help his case. But if you go back to 2019 when he had the miraculous freshman season where he was – a big time hyped up five-star recruit. And he lived up to the hype during that magical LSU run with Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson on that offense. But the leader of the defense at the time was Derek Stingley Jr. So a lot of people really are still hanging on that to him being that 2019 version of himself. And the talent is not the question mm-hmm. with Derek Stingley. It's just the durability. That's the biggest aspect with him. So we're going to get some numbers on that April 6th pro day. So I think he still has a chance to be the first cornerback selected. But for now, I mean, it's the Mod Sauce Gardner show right now. He seems to have the the vice grip, as you said, on that CB1 spot. Yeah, he's been excellent throughout the pre-draft process, obviously excellent during his Cincinnati career as well. That's what matters the most. Uh, on the defensive line, we talked about Jordan Davis plenty and Todd and Mel weighed in on Monday's show. Yeah, I think it's important. I think it's valuable to know he's a freak athlete. I think though that it has does, does a four seven eight forty like is it something you'll remember ten years from now because it was just extraordinary athletic ability? Or do you think that where we're trending is that Jordan Davis, his stock has been cemented that we're going to be talking about Jordan Davis as perhaps a preeminent run defender and maybe a pass rusher as well in the next few years. Yeah, it's kind of tr- Tricky. And I think his value has kind of gone underrated in a sense, just because you hear about, does he have three down value? Is he a three down player? I think a lot of people have kind of gone away from or overlooking exactly what he does. And I don't like using the word elite. I like using the word high level a little bit better just because in the scouting community, elite or rare usually means that we're talking about a once in a generation type of prospect, but we're talking about a high level run defender. But something that I think goes unnoticed is that yes, he played 18% of the snaps on third down at Georgia, but they also had Devontae White, who's going to be arguably the first interior defensive lineman selected above Jordan Davis. And then also Jalen Carter, who was a sophomore last year, who's probably going to end up being a top 15 selection next year that we'll be talking about a lot this time next year, too. So I don't think it was a matter of him not having a whole bunch of three down value. I think it was they just had better players at the position that are just more natural penetrators. So they didn't have a necessity of using him on that down. So the combine was filled with plenty of highs, but there were some players that I think kind of left us wanting more. Um, I'll start with one name. I want to ask you about him and then others. It felt like Traylon Burks from Arkansas, that 40 time kind of did matter, right? Because a wide receiver is consistently running straight and down the field, uh, not necessarily without coverage, but you know, sometimes you, you break open and they, a play that Jamar Chase could turn into a 75 yard touchdown ends up just being like, a chain moving first down gain, which is, you know, notable. Meanwhile, he's in a wide receiver class. He's got some guys that really ran well, both Ohio States, Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson ran well. We know Jamison Williams is fast. So what'd you make of Traylon Burke's performance and anybody else that maybe you thought left us wishing we had a bit more from the combine. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets pizza, the number one pick in Detroit style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better with the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country. There's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's number 8, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, 
Try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza, better because it has to be. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, he was definitely underwhelming. I will say that. And he's going through his pro day today but as of Wednesday morning. So I think with Burks is that you just kind of have to trust the tape with him. There's always that one prospect a year of where you have to kind of more so rely on the game tape with him. And I know he wasn't going to run a super fast 40. I didn't really believe in the high 4-3, low 4-4 times. That was kind of rumored to be out there. But he operates off of buildup speed. And if you watch him against Alabama, he had, I believe it was like an 80 or 85-yard touchdown where he was able to pull away from the Alabama defensive back. So he really operates off of buildup speed. So if they were running like the 60 or the 65-yard he probably would have had one of the better times just because he operates and he builds up that speed in like the 20 to 25 yard range. So, I mean, it, it is a little bit worrisome as far as the explosive numbers. I was expecting a little bit more in the areas, and I think he jumped 35 and a half at the vertical and then only had 12 bench press reps at the Arkansas Pro Day. So definitely underwhelming numbers, but I think he's one of those players of where you have to trust the tape. But one player that really was underwhelming to me was Isaiah Spiller, the running back from Texas A&M. I thought his numbers were going to be a little bit better than what they were, and I know he didn't run the 40, but we'll see if he can improve on those numbers at Texas A&M Pro Day, but I thought he struggled a little bit in in the catching portion too. So he's one name to monitor to see if his numbers can increase. Yeah, this running back class leaves a lot to be desired, right? Like Mel and Todd agree there's not a first-round running back. I mean, who's the top player at that position in your opinion? Is there somebody that's even like a top 40 pick to you? It'll probably be Brees Hall or Kenneth Walker. I think yeah. it's between either one of those guys, and both those guys look really good in yeah, all Brees portions. Yeah. yeah, I think Brees ended up running four three nine, which is great at his size. And Kenneth Walker looked really good. His body looked in really good shape. I mean, he stacked, chiseled, really well put together frame overall. And uh, he he ran much faster than what I thought what I thought he was going to run. I think he ran in the high four threes, low four four, so which is great times for him. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think when those with these uh, running backs, some of it is going to be just if there are any, like I feel like trades at the back end of the first round at the top end of the second round could really impact how soon we see one of those running backs go off board. And of course, free agency will play a part in that as well, which is just days away from beginning in the NFL. Let's sort of go to the offensive side of the ball and just think like anything else, whether it's the offensive line, tight end group, we haven't talked about really that much at all. Anything stand out from that group, uh, those two position groups, I should say, from Indianapolis that you say to yourself, All right, this has my attention going forward. Well, I think this tight end group has gone a little bit underrated. And we don't have a Kyle Pitts or a TJ Hawkinson like we have seen in years past, but there's a lot of depth in the second, third, and even fourth rounds in this group. Greg Dolchich from UCLA is one name that's starting to pick up some buzz. Daniel Bellinger from San Diego State is probably one that's in the fourth, fifth, or even sixth round that I think could go on to be a successful pro. But one name that continuously has looked good to me through the pre-draft process is Virginia tight end Jelani Woods. And I was able to see him at the East-West Shrine game, and I thought he was the best player there by far. So you're talking about betting on a player that has traits, that's still learning how to play the position and figure out the nuances and details of it. He's one player that I like a lot, but I like this tight end class and the depth of, of it overall. 
Yeah, I think that's going to be one of the themes this year is like you think about quarterback, running back, tight end. Like there isn't a, you know, a blue chip sort of franchise altering player right away from any of these prospects or from any of those position groups. But there might be a player or two or three that end up being rock solid pros from one of those spots. All right, let's just sort of zoom way in then. Is there anything else like you have your chance to empty the notebook? Are there there a couple thoughts that you have that you want to get off your chest from Indianapolis, whether they're relevant to all 32 teams or just specific to one team or one prospect or one position, you name it, have at it. Well, the big thing I will say is that when it comes to rankings and just figuring out the combine, just use it as intel and understand that it's just a piece to the scouting process and not the end all be all. So don't be discouraged if somebody runs a bad time or the numbers are not where you thought they would be. Just use it as a certain piece to the puzzle. And like you said, it's just a piece of the breadcrumb that goes into the final equation. So I think that's where a lot of people kind of I don't want to say overlook the combine, but they put a little bit too much into it. Just kind of use it to confirm or deny some of the things that you saw on tape. Yeah, I think the combine is you know, it can be a very impactful event for a select number of players. But the overwhelming majority of players like their value is going to go up just a little bit or go down just a little bit in the draft, or it might not move at all. Right. There are a lot of guys that like came into Indianapolis and you're saying to yourself, like, you know something, he's a top 20 pick. You left Indianapolis and you're saying to yourself, he's still a top 20 pick, whether the numbers were blow you away good or a little bit underwhelming, but it's an important part of the puzzle. And I think always every single year, I'm reminded that the medical evaluation is a huge part of this as well. Right. Because There are guys like Jamison Williams who have injuries that we know about. There are other guys who may have something that we don't know about as of yet. And that time in Indianapolis can help uncover some of those medical situations that might be pertinent to a player and how he is valued as we get closer and closer to April 28th through April 30th. Uh, Jordan Reed, let me ask you this before we say goodbye. What do you have coming up? What are you going to be covering? What should we be looking looking out for? And where can everybody find you on Twitter? Yeah, so first you can find me on Twitter at Jordan, that's J-O-R-D-A-N underscore Reed, that's R-E-I-D, not like the former Washington (laughs) tight end. (laughs) Once again, that's J-O-R-D-A-N underscore R-E-I-D. Also, me, Todd, Mel, and then also Matt Miller, we have our top five positional rankings coming out very soon. So be on the lookout for that. We rank everything from cornerback, excuse me, quarterbacks all the way through specialists. So punters, kickers, and long snappers, which is always the fun part of the process, of course. So be on the lookout for that. And then also, all of my colleagues have some things coming out. Mel just released his latest mock draft. Todd just released his as well. So be on the lookout for that. Do you have any mock drafts coming soon yourself or what's anything on the, uh, no, I do not have no. one coming up, but we all are going to release our top 100 prospects in the next few weeks. So be on the lookout for that too. Okay. You said that you have long snappers, punters, Daniel wants top five fullbacks as well. The lions, <laughs> they have Jason Cabinda, but they can never have enough depth at fullback. When you have Dan Campbell as your head coach, Jordan Reed is exceptional. He told you himself, but a reminder, Jordan underscore Reed R E I D on Twitter. He's an exceptional mind, knows everything about the NFL draft and just football in general. He's been gracious with us here on First Draft. And frankly, I'm going to bother you again sometime soon, Jordan. So don't be a stranger. Absolutely. Thanks as I always, feel. All righty. That'll do it for today's episode of First Draft. A reminder, we're back on Monday, same time, same place, 2 p.m. Eastern time. You can watch us live on YouTube and Twitter and the ESPN app. Plus, Thursday edition drops every single week as well. For Jordan, Todd and Mel, I'm Fields. We'll talk to you guys then.